talking about doing straying away from beer and uh yeah because i i just kind of i was thinking about hey look here's here's this thing that wall fun is the the one of the biggest killers uh you know it, it's this thing that is legal but is so much more fucking harmful than any other drug that's out there and yeah the idea of it being the most boring drug because like what do you do other than go like hey all right <laughs> you know uh yeah and i was thinking like fuck cannabis would be such a better business just because of the effect on its surrounding you know the effect on the people who are who are using it versus the you know people who drive drunk or whatever or or, or turn into assholes and beat their wives and stuff yeah and uh so we were, we were talking about moving into cannabis uh and i don't know if that's actually going to work and maybe that'll be a couple years down the line but i'm much ra- i'd much rather grow and process cannabis than doing uh alcohol anymore just because well it's interesting that you mentioned like getting uh getting like really bad hangovers from like any amount of alcohol that you drink and uh headaches from hops because like a lot of time weed gives me headaches and i become like all the like classic tropes that people say about weed like i get like lazier i feel less motivated and like immediately so yeah, it's just kind of it's kind of interesting that you're um you know ha- you're having some um yeah, like physical issues from drinking and like I can't smoke weed at all. Yeah. <laughs> I took like a puff yeah. off of a vape pen earlier, but you know, other than that, I can't really Hey, c- careful definitely of the vitamin can't smoke. E oil. Huh? careful of the, the you know about this vitamin e oil that everybody's talking about so you know how they're trying to ban vaping right yeah yeah uh bef- before assault weapons uh six people die of vaping versus the thousands of people who die every year of cigarettes and you're worried about it like sounds pretty good to me man but uh turns out it's not e-cigarette vaping it's not nicotine vaping that's like fucking shit up it's it's people who process cannabis oil using vitamin e oil and this stuff you know, you, you, you can't, uh, for lack of a better word, you can't absorb, you can't digest it with your lungs. Uh, oh, and so, so that's, like, that's where these deaths are coming yeah. from. It's not from e-cig as much as it is like, uh, cannabis. Vitamin E stuff. oil. What yeah. the fuck? Some sort of processing thing. I, I can't talk about it just because I, I don't fucking know it, but, uh, yeah, supposedly, yeah, it's, it's not a, it's not an e-cigarette as much as it is like a, a, a weed vape thing. So I say, huh. be careful. Especially when, like, uh, I bought these last couple cartridges. It was two for $35 off of a buddy of mine. And I realized, I don't know what the fuck they make with this shit. So, uh, you know, I'm going to be more careful from now on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've I've had the same one since, like, May. So I'm going on oh, man. Oh, you have four months. About. So I think I'm okay. <laughs> no, I think you're totally fine. It's, yeah, half gram vape for four months. I think I'm doing all right. Hot dog. I mean, I I think I probably smoked like a quarter or a third of the cartridge before I watched the beach bum. But <laughs> other than that, I haven't really been puffing that hard on it. Yeah. <coughs> Speaking of beach bum, do you want to just get into it? Welcome to Inside Jerks. I'm James. I'm here with Taylor. How you I'm doing, Taylor? Taylor. This is Inside Jerks. And we're here now uh in your ear balls it's coming at you rough so what are we talking about today hey today we're going to be talking about speaking of rough woof woof one of the best scenes of uh, a, 
hey, there we go. A doggy and making some food. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is what we're going to be talking about today. Is that, that rat sound? flavor or raccoon flavor? I go rat flavor, but I, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. down to try the raccoon flavor. I think it'll be a little bit more full, a little more uh, fatty, maybe a little bit, bit sweeter and gamier. So I'm, I'm down to try it. I think there's an equal risk for uh, rabies on both of them, though. So just got to be careful. Yeah, I'd rather have rabies than babies. Oh. Actually, I'd like to have kids. So uh, welcome to Inside Jerks. We're going to be talking today all about <laughs> somebody who was not able to have kids. Uh, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. This is uh, Tarantino's latest. And I got to tell you, James, I... It might be his greatest. Is that what you're going to say? It really might be. Uh, because... I never noticed before that every single one of his movies, uh, you know, and, and and I guess it took me this long to have such a, a compilation of his movies to be able to look back on them and realize that every yeah. single one of them is uh, an homage to a certain genre or time period, uh, if nothing else. Like, at, at the bottom line, everything is, is an homage to a certain time period, and this one... Uh, being a total love letter to the 60s, you know, the late 60s where this kid grew up. Quentin Tarantino growing up as a young boy. Uh, this is this is just everything that he does well put together on uh, in, in one brilliant package that I, I'm in love with. And I didn't know I was going to be this uh, over the moon with this movie. Yeah, I, uh, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I know you said it took you a couple of watches, but... Yeah. Man, was I ready for this. It was oh, it was fantastic. Those driving shots with um I mean pretty much any time someone was in a car, the yeah. shots were just like so intricate. These like crane shots with the camera like sweeping over the car. Mm-hmm. It's like a close up. It it's never looked better. I and, love like, that. Um Yeah, just like that. Yeah, that very first driving scene with um uh, Brad Pitt and the Carmen Ghia just like tearing mm. it up down Hollywood Boulevard. It was mm. it was really good. Him when he when he drops off Rick Dalton, Leonardo DiCaprio, and and he pulls off, and uh, that track goes on, and he's just like pulling out real quick and just gunning it down this weird curvy road because this guy being a fucking yeah. well, let's you know for the people who haven't uh, heard of this movie, uh, it is. Late 60s, there's a guy named Rick Dalton. He's a, an aging movie star, and he's starting to realize just how much uh, he's, he's gone downhill. And his buddy, uh, best friend, his bro, his brother, uh, Brad Pitt, playing a guy named Cliff Booth, who is his stunt double. Um, and it really just kind of goes through a couple days of these guys doing what they're doing. I say a couple days, but there's a time jump at some point. But, you know, everybody was... Uh, really thinking, oh, this is a movie about Sharon Tate and about the Manson murders. And I feel like yeah. everybody who goes into it thinking that way is going to be disappointed because it's it's a it's it's not really about that. That 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 revolves around this story, but the main thing is just Yeah, it's just happening at the same time. That's yeah. yeah. No, I, I'm I'm in love with this thing. It's 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 really a a huge love letter to Hollywood, older Hollywood especially uh the things that made tarantino who he is uh the 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 soundtrack is absolutely incredible and speaking of driving scenes the way that they just have the the radio blasting all the time 
is mm-hmm. just just rip you know even when I was a kid it was so different from how people listen to radio now and that just made me feel the fact that they didn't have it 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 quiet as as people are talking to each other in a car and stuff it's it's I really don't know what to say about this movie because I want to say everything about this movie James yeah it I I loved it it was great um there was I don't know if you noticed at the beginning of the movie when um he first uh they leave the set and they get in uh Rick Dalton's car mm-hmm. um Rick Dalton does not have a valid driver's license anymore so um Cliff is driving for him but their names in the credits are flipped in the uh, car I do like because, that okay yeah Brad Pitt is a stuntman so they <laughs> They're reversed in the car than how they're seated. What a uh, what a small little tiny. Now you now you're saying that this is a thing that Tarantino did on purpose, eh? I don't know. It could have been a thing where um, you know is Leonardo DiCaprio is the lead and then yeah. Brad Pitt is the secondary. But it just you know regardless if it was on purpose for that goal in mind, it still it works, works out. that it works out very well. Yeah, yeah. that DiCaprio is listed behind Brad Pitt sitting in the car. I love the, uh, the reason why this works so well is not only do these guys have chemistry and I mean, goddamn, Brad Pitt gr- brings yeah. chemistry like nobody's business in everything that he does. I mean, this reminded me of so much of, you know, what was so great about the Oceans movies was, was the way that Brad Pitt has this just, uh, like, like this guy, I don't, you know, it's, it's been years that people have shit on this dude, but I just never understood it. He, while being a pretty boy, you know, as uh, this is why I think most people kind of like rag on him. But this guy, not only is he gorgeous, but he brings this these qual this realism to his characters, and this is no different. And and not only is it the chemistry that they bring together, but the uh, the the dichotomy of the two, the the sort of like mirror image or lack thereof, uh, I thought was really fucking cool. And obviously, that's on purpose. Obviously, that's Tarantino just understanding what he's doing. But this is the this movie melds so well. Every single technical aspect just works for exactly what it needs to be, I think. Um, the editing, the sound design, the the fun with sound design where, where you know, it'll cut from one scene to another and there will be a little pop of a sound of, like, changing a reel real quick. And, uh, man, yeah, did this and, feel good. And Tarantino got to film, like, a you know, a straight up Western, like as they were filmed back then inside the movie. And there's that, that like tracking shot where they're in the middle of a conversation. That's like very Tarantino looking. And then Rick Dalton can't remember the line. And then they do a reset and you watch the reset happen through the the camera. It was, yeah, it was so great. And even before that that, um, movie that he was doing or the, the show that he was doing there, but they also had, you know, the bounty law bounty law fantastic yeah. opening you know for this whole thing you were saying and, i'm sorry um, i cut you off yeah the uh i can't remember what the project was he was working on but that um the younger actor um julie butters i believe her name is sure um she was fantastic in it she now, was playing good. this this eight-year-old uh co-star of rick dalton and yeah yeah, a Great lot of people have been talking and, about it. She's doing well. Yeah, and that, um, yeah, I mean, it's in the trailer, so it's not too much of a spoiler, but she, like, 
leans over and said, that's the best acting I've ever seen in my life. And he, mm. Rick Dalton starts crying and it's like, <laughs> the girl is eight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How much has she seen? Well, <laughs> but everything up to that point is that like, she's very well, um, you know, well adjusted has been on many sets. So it's like, it does, it does mean something because at that moment in time, she is a way more professional than Rick Dalton is. Well, that's, and, and that's what he's picking up on. And I mean, just yeah. to warn everybody, if you haven't figured it out already, we're going to bounce back and forth all over this movie. But, uh, to, to go back a second for this whole Western that he's filming for this pilot, you know, that he, you know, they've already kind of set it, set it up as, well, he's the, uh, you know, the older guy who's kind of coming in as a guest star for this pilot. And it means that he, you know, there's going to be a fight of some sort and he's going to lose and he's not going to be on this show anymore. And so it's already kind of strange feeling there. And as they start making the show, he's, he's, he's freaking out. He messes up his lines and shit. And he goes back into his trailer and just tears himself a new one uh, to only go on further to 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 go on to the next scene where he just kills it and he then is like rick fucking dalton and he's like so stoked on himself you know this yeah. is it, it was touched upon uh outside of this movie I don't, I don't remember where this was but the idea that this this guy is uh manic depressive or bipolar uh and mm-hmm. and i've seen this flick three times now or so i, I can't help myself and i want to see it a four or fourth time in theaters before it's gone but uh rewatching it a couple times and, and putting my own experiences from being you know manic depressive uh and and understanding it from that per- perspective uh it makes so much sense the way that he treats himself and treats others and the misunderstanding of communication back and forth and stuff so so for this this child that he sees as like this big fucking deal obviously i mean she's new blood he's he's dying out and she's a new bright star that's coming in he's a he's a red dwarf right. if you will you know and and uh the supernova's coming up and uh he so he that holds a lot of weight and so when she tells him that's the best acting that i've ever seen in my whole life that just ruins him and he, and he gets almost to tears you know uh all of this just makes so much more sense when realizing oh this guy's bipolar and it and it, it just struck even more of a nerve and made me fall in love with this movie more because I've got my own, you know, stuff to deal with and whatnot. Uh, bipolar yeah, wise, I, and it just and makes I wonder, a lot of sense. I wonder if it was written that way or it's just been analyzed that like, oh yeah, this is you know, if he's if Tarantino wrote it true to you know, true to life in that it's like how an actor like this would act and it's been, you know, more or less discovered later on, like, oh yeah, like yeah. Oh, I, th- I think no, that's that's why that, this plays so well. Yeah, that typical actor type was actually someone, you know, method acting is just... <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's you just know, like, yeah, something going on where you can't separate it. <laughs> reading an article recently about how, uh, for this new Joker movie coming out, that Joaquin Phoenix stormed off the set a couple times. And this article paints it in a light of like, you know, it's, it's weird being an actor. Let's just face it. It's fucking weird being an actor. And you go through this process of like stoking yourself up and getting into character and stuff like that. Um, that there are some times where there's no way to continue a scene because something is fucked up where you feel as if, you know, you're not getting what you need or, or you're not giving what you you're trying to. And, and, you know, the only way to remove yourself from that situation and get your head right again is to actually remove yourself from the situation and get off set. You know, others might see yeah. it as a, oh, who's this fucking hoity-toity, you know, or the, the, this, uh, 
this annoying dude who's just all about himself or whatever and yeah you're gonna have to reset and it's gonna take another like you know 20 minutes before you start shooting again maybe if not longer but to understand on the other side of like no this guy's like putting his fucking whole heart and soul into this thing and much like uh rick dalton does on once upon a time in hollywood he kind of breaks down and and freaks out a bit there's a lot of characters that you can analyze in this movie Mm -hmm. and definitely the same way that uh rick dalton is with this uh younger actor um he feels the same way about sharon tate like she's again like this new blood coming in and he's not like that old by mm-hmm. in like 1969 in like, near the right? end of the movie he's like yeah he's like late 30s early 40s which now it's and yeah that's he the was, best way to go in yeah bounty law yeah bounty law was like 15 years ago so he was probably like you know 2022 20, when mm-hmm. he was on that so he's not that old. He's just, you know, like one generation ahead, but he's not like, I mean, I guess but Hollywood in maybe. the 60s. Yeah, 40 in the 60s looked like, you know, late 60s Dude, now. like looking back at some of these movies and understanding that I am older than uh, some of these actors are at this point, you know, like watching some noir flick and there's this old you know, kind of craggled yeah. guy who's like, you know, maybe a Bogart sort of character. Uh, actually, I want to see how old Bogie was in, like, Maltese Falcon and stuff, because I'm sure that guy was, like, 42, maybe. But, you know, everybody just looks so much fucking older. Obviously, people, uh, you know, everybody smoked back then and stuff like that. But to think about that, that some of these yeah, people are 25 I mean, I and saw... they look older than I am now at 31. I saw uh, Peter Cushing in some, uh can't remember the name of the movie, but they were, like, drilling into the center of the earth and he was like 38 in it and he looks like he did in star yeah. wars <laughs> it, it's crazy uh I, and he was probably he was probably like 60 in star wars so he was 60 in star wars and i just saw a movie with him and he looks like he hasn't changed a bit and this movie was like made in like like <laughs> just a couple years ago it looked like he didn't change a yeah, bit. Yeah. okay here we go check this out uh he was a little bit shinier though he he had a, sh- a sheen uh let's go with african queen okay african queen with uh humphrey bogart and lauren bacall uh that guy that's that's Humphrey one Bogey, of the yeah. oldest that he's looked i want to say or, or just if memory serves correctly you know not only was he like some sweaty dirty guy mm-hmm. but he looked pretty old in that one he was 51 in that one he was born in 19 or 1899 and that was 1951 Whoa. so Maltese Falcon, he still looks pretty fucking old uh, in, in many respects, but uh, he was roughly 41, 42 in Maltese Falcon. He still just kind of looked like an old dude. Yeah, that's like uh, Clint Eastwood in uh, Where Eagles Dare. He still looks like Clint Eastwood. He doesn't look like young yeah. Clint Eastwood, and he's probably like 38 in it. I'm not sure what year that came out. Speaking but. of young Clint Eastwood, let's bring this back yeah. to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood to, to add a whole sort of like joke about uh spaghetti westerns in this where it's like mm-hmm. hey you know you've done your thing you're kind of aging out or whatever like what do you do next uh we got this uh we got sergio gorlami uh is, was that who what they, what they used for uh no 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 sergio corbucci sorry the the actual director uh it was like hey this is this nebraska gym and and much like uh how uh what's his name clint eastwood came and did the dollars trilogy with sergio leone they're doing the same thing with this and it just it works 
perfectly the history the way that the, the chronology of this film and what the characters go through and stuff is so good for people who love film obviously i mean tarantino's a freak about it yeah and um yeah al pacino's great and everybody is great in this movie but like when's the last time you know al pacino has really been in has really been in something other than jack and jill don't you dare um, knock jack and jill jack and jill <laughs> i did i just said when's the last time you saw him when he wasn't selling you a Dunkachino. Dunkachino. Uh, I don't. I can't. I can't think <laughs> of one actually. Uh, recently, but but yes, you're you're correct. But yeah, he was he was great in it, and I um I wasn't the first to make this uh, thing. I saw this on a on a YouTube video. If we're gonna jump yeah. around, why not just jump around? Um, it's we're talking about a Tarantino movie. Why would we do it linear? Boom. Um, oh. Um, but, uh, he's talking about Rick Dalton. He's like, Hey, you could, you know, you could go on and do one of these Batman movies like bang, pow. And, uh, zoom. And then, (laughs) yeah. And then, uh, later on in the movie, like basically Rick Dalton becomes Batman (laughs) and Brad Pitt is like, uh, Robin in it. At the very end, it like it's definitely a bang pow. Rick Dalton had fight. Yeah, and he's uh like Rick Dalton is relying on gadgets to to do this whole thing and then you know Brad Pitt's um, got his fists. Cliff Yeah, Cliff is just using like straight muscle and like, you know, clever fighting techniques and a dog to help him out and like it's totally there's totally a parallel between Batman and Robin yeah. there. And you know, I will I will say this. I want to I want to hold off just a little bit. I want to I want to keep the ending to be talked about. J- j- that, that's the only thing that I want to keep right. towards, you know, the end of of talking about this thing because right. that's a whole nother thing. And eh, we can even go into it right now, but I want I want to hold off for a second with that. Uh, yeah, yeah. And we should definitely, I mean, I'll put it in the episode description, but we're going to spoil this movie. So if you haven't seen it. Yeah, guys. Um, I don't think we've, we haven't revealed too much so far. So if you don't want the movie spoiled, we're going to stop the podcast now, we're gonna, run to a theater, get tickets to the closest showing, get a hot dog, put some ketchup and mustard on it and, uh, you know, have a good time at that theater. You know, I hear people talking about ketchup and mustard uh, on their hot dogs and stuff. But I say, if I've got a hot dog, I'm going to cool it down with some ice water, you know? Okay, okay, all right, all right. They've heard this before. Hey, if you guys haven't heard this podcast before, that's a nice little joke for you. A little callback. Uh, all I'm trying to do right now is, is send you this picture. With Al Pacino as Phil Spector with that giant afro, and I can't even do it. This is bumming oh me out. Oh my god. Ah, oh, this is so good. I need. I want to frame this and put just it on shoot my... a shoot a link in the. I can't. Uh, it's not working the way that it's supposed to. Send a link in the Discord. It doesn't even matter. Hey, we're gonna bounce around a little mm. bit. We're just giving you, you know, this little space right here is just giving you time to uh uh to to to, to stop the podcast and go out and and see that movie real quick and watch the yeah we're just gonna kind of sit around here for three hours but talking about um that but uh wait do we need to make t-shirts what inside jerks t-shirts with uh yeah where it has a hot dog and it said pour some cold water on it no 
No, that's not going to happen. No, that's not a good t-shirt. Here's, here's how that t-shirt... You are, you're, I can see you I can see you writing it down right now. You love this no, idea. You're patenting the it, way that it. The only way that it could work is if the joke is completely spelled out. So it's a very long written t-shirt that is such a waste of time for somebody to read. That's what I want more so than a... And it has a, and it has a hot dog. It's got a hot it. dog. And, and, and maybe at the top of it, it has a, re- a picture of a Frankenfurter hot dog. And at the bottom of it, it has a picture of a dog panting with some water on it or something. I don't know. You know, oh, mix shit. it up, get really fucking weird with it, and don't. right. Yeah. Speaking of, um, well, yeah, you would have to do, you, yeah, you maybe like hot dog, and then a dog with water on it, and then underneath it, all the text of the joke is written <laughs> like the bottom of a movie poster, mm-hmm. like varying ah. uh, varying sizes of the same font. Ma- just make it a movie poster, basically, I, is what you're saying. Throw this on its shirt. Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, okay, some nice. Uh, but it has all the text, and it's like way too small to read. A little, a little panting dog on there, sweating. A little bit of a hot dog, sweating. Uh, you know, a yeah. couple of hot dogs. Uh, speaking of hot dogs, these guys were the best hunks that I've seen in a movie in a very long time. Yeah. Full of these, hunks. Full let me, of hunks let me hunk movie. it up for you real quick. For those, okay, you've seen this movie. This is this. There, there are little tiny bits that stick out in my mind, and little things that make me just so happy. Let, let's go back for a second and talk about. You're saying, oh, is this just analysis of people? Is this what they've they figured out in terms of uh, Leo DiCaprio's character being bipolar? I would say yeah. that I, I'm sure Tarantino thought all this shit out because I didn't think about it much until recently. How crazy in depth his scripts are, and talks about things that are. Uh, you know, never actually spoken of in the movie. Um, you know, the, the easiest or more right. the most uh, most in your face example is is in Inglorious Bastards. The uh, Brad Pitt's character of Aldo Rain has the 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 scar across his neck from when he was hung one time, but they never mention it in the movie. Um, they mention it in the script, but it, it specifically says this is never going to be mentioned within the movie. But he's going to have this scar that's of rope burn from him being hung. Or hanged. I never know which one is correct to say with that. But I'm sure there's so many Brad levels to this movie, and there's so many things that are happening all the while. Nothing is happening, much like a Coen Brothers movie, where it's like there's so much shit is happening, but in the end, it doesn't really change anything. Maybe, although spoiler alert, things do change in this movie. It does does change history quite, quite a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, James, remember yeah. when it ch- at the end of it. It it just I thought one thing and it did something different. Oh shit! We're gonna get into that in a second. Uh, but but what I was saying, it, hunks. Okay, let me bring it back. I'm going all over the place. <laughs> Pulp Fiction style, baby. <laughs> uh, I was so worked up when Brad Pitt hopped a couple times onto a fence onto the roof to fix the antenna, the TV antenna that Cliff asked him for, or Rick Dalton asked him for, rather. Mm -hmm. And uh, he gets up there, and he takes off his shirt, and then you start seeing all the scars on his body, right? Talk about scars. Brad Pitt again. Uh, You see the scars showing that he's he's been a rough-and-tumble dude his whole life being a stuntman and stuff. But he takes off his shirt, and he sits down, and he he does this thing where he... uh, I'm sorry, just to rewind again, before this, he picks up some wire, he picks up some tools, puts on a tool belt and stuff, he takes this spool of wire, 
and puts in his teeth, between his teeth as he's getting ready to go up onto the roof, right? That was something where I'm like, that's fucking manly as shit. That reminds me of me working with tools and my daddy working with tools and my yeah. grandfather working with tools and how we're just rough dudes, you know, rough men. We're all a bunch of rough men just getting getting our hands all uh, uh, calloused, you know, as we're working. Talk about sweat. Ugh. I'm sweating because I'm looking at Brad Pitt and he he throws these pliers down on the roof perfectly on this little split where the where the antenna goes and he's just sitting there just showing off to me, all right? Like I'm sitting in the theater and I'm thinking, gosh, I do need to work out today. You are right, Brad Pitt, you're reminding me now. But not only that, these both these guys are just in the grand scheme of things, James, these these guys are hunks. I don't know what else, what else to say about it. And they display their hunkitude. Yeah. And we, I mean, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the babes of the movie, too. Uh, we can't just talk about hunks. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we got Margot Robbie playing Sharon Tate, which is, like, perfect. And I think most people, I would hope most people that are going to see this movie do know the, the actual history of, like, how brutal her murder was and her unborn baby being killed. And... There's just so much tension being brought up when she goes to a movie theater to see herself in the movie and she's just got this huge smile on her face that she's like witnessing her career take mm-hmm. off. And like you could see that like you know, she has so much joy that she's like, Wow, this you know, this could actually turn into something. You, and it's palpable. It's, it's just it's really like, put yeah, on screen you, very well. When you look at yeah, the reality of you know what happened it's like that scene's fucking heartbreaking (laughs) and it's like it's a very joyous scene like she plays you know this klutz character in the movie and she's just like fumbling around all over the place and it's just like in real life she's a rather graceful lady like yeah no it, it but um yeah it was just uh yeah to know the you know, to know the real story, like, pretty well, it was just, like, yeah. It was, like, gut-wrenching, that See, scene. Here's the thing. For me, I knew the story, but it was just before my time enough to where I, I didn't know enough of it. Uh, I never really dug into it. I was never really a, you know, while, while super into crime stories and being basically bred but through my mom watching nothing but uh, HGTV and Law & Order all day. Not all day, let's say. She didn't do it all day. But when, when we would watch TV, like that would be kind of what we were, we would, we'd be watching. What I'm saying is, I dig crime yeah. stuff. Um, I'm interested in serial killer type things. But I'm not one of those people who are like, oh yeah, let me get all the, the dirty details on this. So me being a child, I never really knew too much about it. I knew the story of, hey, murdered, she was pregnant. That's about all I know. But I've realized that so many people going into this have no fucking clue including a, a good friend of mine, uh, shouts out to Chef Tyler, um, he really didn't care for the movie the first time around. Uh, and so I said, hey, let's go see it. Mm-hmm. And I, and I exp- as we're walking into it, I kind of explained the story more and, and uh, the violence that we'll talk about later, uh, you know, and why it makes sense and whatnot. And, you know, yeah. re-looking into that stuff too, just so I can tell him a little bit more about the backstory. Like, I realized there were things that I, I missed out on or I forgot about. And uh, knowing it obviously is a huge deal. If you if you don't know the case, this movie isn't going to make too much sense to you, or it's not going to mean much to you. 
um, uh, I want to say that and and just to to drive into this idea of I've I've realized that so many people we have we have a close friend of ours uh, I'm not going to name drop maybe I'll do it off the podcast but somebody who had seen about an hour of it and left the theater uh, and wow. it, they said it was boring and nothing was happening and I realized well yeah I guess so if if you've if you have no interest in how movies are made or like you know history of cinema and stuff like yeah. I mean, and I can, and I can kind of see that too. Cause it was like, cause I was talking with, um, with a friend of mine and she said that like, you know, there was so much unnecessary dialogue and I was, you know, listening to what the characters were saying, but like l- absorbing everything, yeah. like the one thing I wasn't, you know, closely paying attention to was the dialogue itself. Mm-hmm. Um, like getting, you know, getting the, the gist of a scene and like how, you know, what this interaction is, but just absorbing like, you know, every color on the screen, how the camera is being used, how the camera is being switched between characters, how it's moving around. So, and, and lighting. And if you don't have an interest in that, then those scenes, yeah, I guess those, I guess those could be pretty boring. I, you know, I guess the driving shots <laughs> that, you love um, so much. that I so much loved mean nothing mm-hmm. to you if that's the case. No, same. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't think this is a movie that everybody, you know, everyone is going to find something they love about it. I don't think it's that kind of movie. Um, it's definitely, it has a, like, a huge love for cinema and how it's made and it's a little bit inside baseball yeah. if you've never um you know you've never filmed anything or been near a film set and seen like you know what actually goes on behind the scenes and if behind the scenes featurettes are <laughs> you know the thing you never opened on your dvd bonus features like yeah you're not gonna you're probably not gonna find much you like about this that movie. is why <laughs> it's definitely i it's definitely a film lovers movie mm-hmm. for sure. And boy, do I miss. And that's what we are. Features. That's what we are. Taylor and I are a couple of. Film I lovers. love film, and I don't care how upset I'm going to make people. You know, Taylor. Taylor, hang on. Let me interrupt you. I also this love. This guy, film. James, loves film. All right. Now we're not going to get out there and get really fucking aggro and tell you how how much this means to us. Okay. We're not going to do that. But we love film. All right. No. So if I could get back to the um, the uh, woman uh, actors in this movie, we got Dakota Fanning as Squeaky Frog. Man, that was a crazy, weird role. That 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 bit almost took me out of this. It did, especially the first time around. Took me out of the movie. I'm like, what the fuck is happening here? This is so odd. What the what the whole the whole scene at the ranch? Not the whole scene at the ranch. No, no, no. Just just the. The, the the fact that her name is Squeaky and the 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 line you know later I realize it, it's 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 just odd comedy it's just making the scene feel strange which is what it's supposed to do but the line of well that I fucked his brains I out mean, last night all... so he's probably really tired that blew my mind like I had no idea what to think about that one line in particular yeah but that's all that's all real that's exactly how she was her name was Squeaky. Oh. That's why her name was Squeaky. All of that is like, you know, yeah, sure, written for the movie, but that is exactly how sure. she is. Like, if you look up interviews of her, she's just like that. See, this is the thing. I 
knew about the case. I knew about what happened. I knew who was involved in stuff, but I didn't know all these details. And so I missed out on my first viewing here, understanding until much later. Yeah. And all of the, yeah, all of the, uh, I mean, I think there's probably a couple of characters that were like more or less, you know, sort of Mm -hmm. made up, but like all the main ones that have like, um, that have like, speaking roles and everything like that like the ones that you actually get to know or at least um you know any ones that have actual names those are based all on on real people i'm sure there was like a a little bit of um you know there were probably some characters added um or maybe some that were omitted Yeah, some things were omitted but some Um, things were changed around but yeah yeah any memorable character as far as the spawn ranch hippie crew those are all those were all real people. And and for real people, this this movie uh, has Roman Polanski in it. And to talk about a surprise, when he walks out of his house and they're going to a party and he's got a full-on Austin Powers blue velvet, you know, uh, ascot-wearing outfit on, that took me out for a second. I'm like, okay, that's, that's, that's over the top, right? No, no. Uh, you can find pictures. Roman Polanski had this exact outfit and... Uh, so so when yeah. I leaned over, and Austin Powers is from the '60s. That wasn't even a weird outfit for him. <laughs> <laughs> like I, that, that man, that joke. Okay, see, this is this is why I need to revisit these movies again. I watched Austin Powers uh, a couple years ago, and there are so many jokes that I just never understood as a child. It's it's well worth checking yeah. out that movie again. But uh, to oh hell yeah, I just watched it about six months ago. It's great. I like my. When I was living up in Portland, my roommate just put it on in his room, and I was just like, like passing through his room, and I was like, "Are you watching Austin Powers?" And then I just nice. <laughs> sat down next to him and we watched the whole mm. movie. <laughs> well, now I want to watch it more. I think I was like, I had something to do, and I was just like, "Ah, oh, fuck it, I'll just do it an hour and a half later. Whatever, <laughs> it's fine." Did you know that there's an international cut uh, of International Man of Mystery that is? Uh, you know, there, there's a uh, Michael McDonald gets rolled over by the steamroller as the uh, as one of the henchmen of Doctor Evil's right, where, where he's like, "Stop, stop!" and it's slowly yeah, yeah. turning over him. Well, there's no. There are scenes that yeah. have been cut, but there's in an international version somewhere, uh, which I, I I must find. But there are backstories and showing him and his family telling him goodbye on that yeah. day of work and such. Uh, oh, yeah. I, so that's even more yeah. of a reason to re- revisit this. But with with Roman Polanski wearing that blue velvet outfit. I lean one of my viewings I saw it with my parents because I'm like I think you guys might really dig this actually so we went went with my parents took my parents treated them to a movie and uh, I lean over and I guess I said the wrong thing which was do I make you horny baby to my father uh, <laughs> I I should have said like a different line from that movie maybe because he looked at me strange and then kind of put it together after a second but uh, you know maybe I should have said oh groovy baby or uh, or oh behave yeah he pretty Something he would have never gotten that one. Like, how about a uh, Ivana Hump a lot? No, that wouldn't have worked. Uh, you know, but uh, who does number two work <laughs> for? Classic movie. You know what? Uh, yeah. I, I'd say Austin Powers is classic. I'd say Once Upon a, Ta- a Time in Hollywood is is for me an instant classic. Uh, not yeah. only the costuming and the acting and stuff, but the soundtrack. James, what did you think about the soundtrack that they had here? I need to go back and like, again, that, that was one of the things where, um, you know, I was paying so much attention visually 
that because uh, I'm only on one viewing. You've had three viewings. Like, um, my brother was telling me. Uh, I think uh, Bill Burr was on some podcast, and he said, "I've seen it four times. One viewing. I just watched it to look at the cars." Yeah, dude. Like, just all the cars on the set. He, like, watched the movie and just paid attention and to that. So I think this is something that... I mean, that's how you know it's a good movie on your hands, where it's like, I definitely missed a lot. Yeah. I need to go and view that, you know, multiple times. Yeah, you know, me, me coming out at the first time and, and being like, I, I really liked 90% of this, but there's 10% that I feel iffy about, and that's kind of changing my mind to how much I actually like this movie. Watching it a few more times and getting more rounded... Uh, uh, experience and understanding of it. I, I mean, how, when was the last time there was something that? Okay, I'll tell you the last time. Uh, but but when was the last time that there was a movie that made you kind of challenge how you thought about it? Made you want to go back because there are so many different layers to it, much like an onion. Uh, you know, there there are levels to watch. Oh, this. Shrek! Shrek was the last Shrek time. Shrek two. Yeah. Shrek? Oh, Shrek was the last time that you saw a movie that made you uh, think over and over. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Onions have layers, ogres have layers. I didn't catch that the first time. Well, the first time he said it was in Shrek. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The original Shrek was the last time. I mean, maybe not the last time. No, Shrek the third then. Because every one of those movies really challenged me to my core of like what it is what it means to make a movie and i mean that swamp he like uses a slug mm-hmm. and squeezes goo oh, out of it to brush his yeah. teeth and it's really just yeah it's just it's very very deep and like again we're gonna come back to it all the time mike myers friend of the show i mean first we were talking about austin powers now we're oh, on goodness. track i mean this is and uh, he was also like, in inglorious bastards uh, touched upon earlier oh that's that's true too yeah I mean, he's all over the show. Mike Myers has his thumbprint on everything of all of Hollywood. Like, Mike Myers is old Hollywood, new Hollywood. He's future Hollywood. Like, Mike I, Myers is going to be on top always. I can't wait until always. Austin Powers 4 comes out. When he, for with to touch back on Shrek, uh, you know, he changed the game in, in, with comedy films. Uh, and, you know, I thought I was in love with the character, I'm understanding that I'm more in love with uh, Mike Myers, and I thought that I was in love with this this uh, you know this couple, this this Shrek and Fiona. They were the best couple uh, on screen. Talk about chemistry, like we were saying earlier. These guys really made it, and yeah. I was in love with these guys. But little did I know, I was in love with the entire you know. By Shrek the Third comes out, I I'm falling in love with their kids now too. Their kids are amazing. They they have all these amazing fart jokes, uh, and you know dirty diaper jokes that they're able to throw in now, and that just made me. Uh, over the moon uh, in theaters for that. So yeah, I saw Shrek the Third. Guess how many times? How many? I saw it two times in theaters, not three times. You might have oh. thought I was going to make a joke of Shrek the Third. I saw it third times, <laughs> but uh, I didn't. Yeah. I saw it two times in theaters, uh, and I thought it was uh, uh, above and beyond any of the others. Um, to, in in my mind, after I left the theater the first time, I'd completely forgotten about Shrek and Shrek Two, uh, and and all my thoughts were on this new family of uh, little little ogres and and you know, eh. I mean I love these guys, it's, and and I'm so glad that Mike Myers is a friend of the podcast, and you know, uh, we 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 might call him up later, but 
But yeah, the last time I experienced something like that in film uh, was probably Serenity. Oh, nice. The Matthew McConaughey movie, which... You saw that in theaters. I didn't see it in theaters. No, I did see a a stream of it, but... Oh, boy. (laughs) And, like, that was, like... I mean, it's definitely worth one watch, but... Holy shit. I had... Oh, the twist? (laughs) I had no idea what was happening. Yeah. And... I mean, yeah. If I don't want to spoil that, it for we're people. Not gonna, that's, that's another. Yeah, that's one of those like movies, like The Sixth Sense, where like we got to wait like five years until we could spoil that movie. Like, I, I told my mom, like, I think you might want to watch this, and she's watching, and she's like, "What the fuck is happening?" And I'm like, "Exactly. Yeah, hold on. It, yeah, because it nothing, absolutely nothing makes sense in the movie until like the last twenty minutes, and they're like. Huh. This is weird. <laughs> <laughs> That's about yeah. yeah. It's not like, oh my god. It's just like, huh. All right. <laughs> oh, so you went. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> you went this way with it. Okay, interesting. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> no, I, I've been. I've told so many people recently to like just watch it. Like I, I say, don't read anything about it. Just watch it because I think you'll thoroughly enjoy this. Uh, this strange drama and and. Uh, I've had three friends come yeah. back and be like, "What was that, dude? Like, what what happened?" I'm like, "Why did you? you why cool. did you do this to me?" <laughs> mm-hmm. Much like I, okay. Once we, once you, okay. We need to have a viewing party of Jack and Jill. I'm not even joking because that's another movie that you will not understand. Should we do a? Should we do a commentary of it? I would fucking love to do a. Com- oh my god. We should do. We gotta get. Okay. All right. Yeah, Guys, um, I I was just on, uh, which um, yeah we can because uh, this will be out next week. It's probably like a week out from then, but um, yeah, we appeared on uh, game shows. I suppose we're um, yeah we should be yeah close to the end of September. We'll be uh, featured on that. Um, that was a whole lot of fun. But this uh, just past weekend, I was on the uh, the Bobby Horror Picture Show, ah, talking about my favorite movie, Videodrome, and uh, we did do have a talk about doing uh, some sort of like live Twitch stream, um, sure. like commentary of a movie. So, yeah, maybe we can do something with that where we have the movie playing and then we're all just in like boxes around the screen. I'm telling you, that'd be pretty Jack rad. And Jill is one of those movies that. Uh, I can't say it enough. I I can't watch it enough, and I and I think I've only maybe seen it all the way through one and a half times or something. If that, I have never Holy seen fuck. it. Holy fuck! I just James. I just know quite a bit about it. I've and I've seen the Dunkachino commercial. Just going into it, um, understanding that this was ba- it. W- you have to look at how much money it costs to make this movie and to yeah. see what's actually on screen. It makes no sense. And it's one of those things like, great. So was, was this just a vacation for everybody? And everybody just got paid like exorbitant amounts to be like terrible on screen. Cool. Like it's, it's, it's unlike anything else that's out there. It's, 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 it's unlike the room, but similar, uh, in its, and its grandiosity of, of insanity. I don't know, man. So I did want to do some uh, some mentions of uh, people featured in this movie. Which movie, um, Jack and Jill? Going back to well, you've got no. Al Pacino. What's Pacino. Time in Hollywood? You've got uh, you, 
Oh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, yes. Adam Sandler. Yeah. Adam um, Sandler two times. Once Upon a Time in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood uh, had some characters. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we got Damian Lewis as a in a cameo as Steve McQueen. Throwing my hands up in the air, it's insane. Yeah. Um, we got a uh, friend of the show, Samantha Robinson, from uh, last week's episode, The Love Witch. She's playing Abigail mm. Folger, who is, um, you know, at the at the house at the time of the murders, and she was, yeah, she was. Uh, well, she plays. Uh, wait to get to the ending until well, she later, plays piano. But, um, she plays a straight shooter by Mamas and the Papas on piano, which is pretty fun. Yep. Um, and then we also got a a couple of. Um, celebrity daughters we got um kevin smith's daughter is in it uh she plays uh one of the uh one of the hippies i'm looking up the name now where is she you're talking about harley quinn smith harley quinn smith yeah um i can't remember her character's name but also uh maya hawk uma thurman's daughter is in it yeah she's rad Uma Thurman and uh, Ethan Hawke's daughter, and um, I mean, should we get into it? We're getting like uh, get into the end there. We could, yeah. but I, I do want to say, yeah. speaking of hippie girls, uh, the Manson family, uh, the way that this movie portrays. Yeah, we'll get into the end in a second because I feel like there's so much more to unpack. I mean, we could do it. I would, I would be able to do like a fucking two hour two two parter on just okay. I'm getting too excited. All I gotta say is uh, uh, the Manson family was portrayed really, really well. There's this whole scene where, uh, you know, a bit of the family, all the girls are walking down the road and singing one of the songs that uh, is actually off one of the Manson's albums, right? Um, oh, yeah. really? Uh, which I can't think of the name of, but uh, let's see this. Manson family song, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Let's see what it says. I don't know, man. I'm I'm getting lost right here, man. I'm just thinking about this movie now. I'm thinking about the character of Butterfly. Yeah, the only, in this movie. the only what? Yeah. Give it to me. Butterfly. I'm looking. I'll never it. say never to always. That's what the song is called. Let's say, uh, guys, as we're talking about uh, the soundtrack, yeah, real okay. quick. Uh, if, if anybody wants to tweet us, I've I've got a a full almost totally chronological um expanded version of once upon a time in hollywood soundtrack which is about two hours long um which is a lot longer than the one that you can just get on spotify or like when you buy the album or something if anybody's interested on this extended version uh uh let us know tweet us at inside jerks uh but uh or shoot us an email inside jerks at gmail.com we also have that uh but Butterfly on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, who is uh, played by the the, the gal who, who's uh, Garvey's daughter on The Leftovers, um, and her name... It's uh, Ruby Rose Scotchdepole. There you go. She is... Uh, well, it turns out she is uh, she's a distant cousin of mine. Her mom is Andy McDowell. Really? Yeah. Andy McDowell... Oh, shit. You're, you're related to Andy yeah. McDowell? Yeah, and... Uh, is it by by blood or by marriage? I mean, I guess the daughter would be by blood. I say blood just because she's Southern. Well, here, the, the biggest thing is that her mom wrote our uh, genealogy book. We have this giant phone book of, of, of stories gotcha. and, and just where we've come from and stuff, whatever. 
her mom had written that book yeah. about the Deboses, and so that's pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, we're 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 related by blood in some way. Uh, but her daughter playing uh, Margaret Qualley, actually, that's what I'm thinking of. Uh, oh, she's um. Ooh, I just had it up here. Margaret Qualley did a great job in the leftovers. Uh, she killed it, much like a lot of people did on that show. But she steals pretty much every scene that she's in in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, um, and and to play that part of this far too young, seductive, and crazy, you know, this this part of the Manson family. Oh yeah, Pussycat. Pussycat. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was saying Butterfly, wasn't I? Yeah. Pussycat. Yeah. Yes, you're, you're absolutely correct. Uh, she, uh, man, she just steals the show. She, she gets it done. And that whole scene where she's asking, uh, she's propositioning Brad Pitt for sex and he's asking what age she is, 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 I think not only is this a huge love letter to Hollywood, but I think is, uh, is a really nice middle finger to Hollywood as well, because you've got a movie that is featuring Roman Polanski, who has anally raped a 13 year old girl, uh, in true life and there's a character in here which although it's a movie is a character juxtaposing this by asking age and saying yeah this isn't going to happen and you know i i I thought these these subtle jabs at some people are fucking radical in this movie but what i'm saying is that margaret qualley just steals the show for me in this entire movie every single time i've seen it she's just a magnet and and she's incredible in this um yeah, and um, and also like yeah, just a little side note there. Yeah. This is the first uh, Tarantino movie without the uh, the Weinstein company. Yeah, like no Weinstein logo at the front. It's not Miramax. Cool. Like yeah, it's yeah, and I think that was um, yeah, that was definitely uh, you know something to be to be looked into in that way because you know I um, a lot of people are. You know, they kind of got a Tarantino boycott because mm-hmm. he he uh, did say he knew enough to say something. But, you know, in a lot of ways, I think, um, you know, there were people in, in his position that, you know, the, he was just as much in danger of losing exactly. his job as anybody else, like, saying something about it. And, you know, it's just, like, really... You know, it's a really rough situation that, like, you know, you couldn't really talk about this, like, five years ago. It just didn't... Yeah, it... It's not that it shouldn't have happened, because it definitely should have. Like, this should have never been able to to happen at all. But um, for him to come back and just, you know, put those scenes in there, like the... With um, uh, Julia Butters talking about, like, I don't like the... It's this eight-year-old, like, eight-year-old girl who's, like you know, super into this acting thing. And she's like, I don't like the word actress. It's actor. There's no differentiation. Yeah. You know, it's one, it's one thing. Actor is, is the job. Um, and to have that scene with, uh, with pussycat in the, in the car Mm -hmm. as well. Like, yeah, it was like very subtle things that weren't, it wasn't like shoving a message down a throat. And it was just Tarantino saying, I get it. It sucks. You know, let's let's move forward and not let this happen again. Well, why didn't he actually say something? Why did he have to have a subtle scene about it? Well, I mean, he did in interviews, but it's much more powerful to put a permanent mark in a in a film like that. That's, you know, not just a, you know, a conversation about feminism 
or like some feminist ideal and then have someone like just dismiss it as if it's yeah. a joke. Like you see that all the time where it's like, Hey, why didn't you do this thing? Because feminism and then like, ha I'm just kidding. Yeah. And like, that doesn't work at all. And it doesn't help, but to like show, you know, true examples and like, you know, a, a compassion for, um, for, you know, all of this stuff is definitely like a better, not only a better way of going about that, but an actually effective way of yeah, going about that. Yeah, a lasting way to have it, have it embedded in, in a scene of yeah. film. No, I, I'm not one to uh, defend anybody f- from any of their fucking heinous acts, obviously, but... Uh, right. You know, to, to be honest, obviously, we, we are all humans, and we all think completely differently and stuff like that, and so I can't say one way or another... Uh, you know how much at fault let's say uh, Tarantino is with not saying something because the climate is completely different uh, these days obviously and as much as you want to deny it that this is how it should have always been yes this is how it should have always been but unfortunately fortunately it has been happening very recently unfortunately yeah five ten years ago 20 especially 20 years ago and you know especially in his huge just yeah 30 years ago uh there's there's it, it was a completely different time and we weren't around then and all this sort of stuff. It, so I, I can't say one way or another, Hey, that's fucked up that Tarantino never said anything because who knew, you know, how much right. there was to lose, uh, blah, blah, blah. We could talk about this forever. Yeah, where, yeah. Where were all of us like five or 10 years ago? Oh yeah. I dude. mean, the fact that, come on, like, it's like all of society has changed very, very quickly and very drastically. You go ten years ago, and the the amount of dudes on the street that will just say "fag" for no fucking reason all the time is it would be baffling to somebody who wasn't around that, I guess, and especially somebody from the future who would look back and be like, "Holy shit! Like this, these were weird times." Uh, you yeah. Know, luckily today, a lot of people kind of stop talking mess like that, but uh, you know. It's 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 we're going places, but it's also been a very short time that this has finally been brought to the public and and understood. Uh, I mean, it's still completely misunderstood just because yeah, we're not a part of this scene, we're not a part of these situations, so I can't say one way or right. another how people should have acted or or should be acting now. But uh, you know, I'm I'm very thankful for this kind of stuff to be in mainstream movies these days and having uh, big yeah. directors. And I'll I'll say you know. It's an event, and it not being it not being a punchline exactly. either. Like, and that's that's an issue that's still happening. I think it's a little bit in like a like kind of a transitional period of like actually being able to see these things, yeah. um, see these things through versus like, huh, no, uh, that was a joke. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's just um, yeah, people are figuring out how to handle it, and I think Tarantino did a good job. Well, yeah, it, it's. I, I, that's the, uh, the name of the podcast. Tarantino did a good job. This movie, uh, aside from everything that we've, we've sidetracked and stuff with. I like that. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, let's talk about, let's talk about that end, man. It's time. Okay. The ending, let me just, I'll start this off real quick and and we'll go back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. You could start it off. Cause I, I got like a, yeah. With this soundtrack. I got a fresh, uh, very fresh you've got no i was gonna say i've got a fresh set of eyes on it and um you know that was my first viewing too so you didn't you weren't um like a big uh big fan of the ending the first Here's time you my watched thing. it bottom line is this i was just like wow this is over the top 
this is so much and then it gets crazier and crazier and this is so much um what really makes it though is is overall uh how the end finally ends with the title of once upon a time in hollywood then i'm able to look back for a second and be yeah. like okay so this could be you know maybe maybe some way of, of uh, you know it, it's stretching the truth in a way uh and it is a kind of a fable and it's this thing so you know what if, what if rick dalton's telling this story and he's like yeah and then i brought out the uh flamethrower yeah it was fucking really cool and that, maybe that didn't happen it's it's that sort of way of handling it and uh you know so I, I i accept it a lot more with that but there the violence to go on with this movie that's fairly tame and just kind of like this day in the life type of 60s thing and to get to this violence just kind of like freaked me out but again me forgetting how brutal those killings actually were the the right. scales are that's... even now in a way and it's um yeah so uh yeah so basically what happens is um in the um how it happened in real exactly. life is Let's do um, that first. um uh so uh shit i'm forgetting last names here um but uh but tex and a couple of his uh hateful hippie goons um three of them total they drive up to Sharon Tate's house and just completely wreck the place, uh, murder everybody in the house. Abigail Folger, Sharon Tate. They were told to make it as brutal um, as possible, basically. I can't remember Emil Hirsch's thing, uh, what his name was, Jay something. Uh, murder everybody, murder Sharon Tate's unborn baby. Yeah, she was eight and a half um, months pregnant. Right in, right, uh, something to the effect of fuck all pigs mm-hmm. in the wall and Sharon Tate's blood. Uh, extremely brutal. And they were trying to blame this crime on the Black Panthers in order to incite a race mm-hmm. war that they would hide out at their ranch and just wait for everybody to kill each other and then, you know, have their their cult be like the leaders of new society. Mm-hmm. So, like, completely delusional. Like, it's... Um, yeah, if you're not familiar with the story, I definitely, like, you know, check out... A, I did, you know a very, very Cliff Notes version of it. Um, but the way that it happens in the movie is uh, they go up to the house and then they're hanging out about to go to, you know, go through the gate to Sharon Tate's house. And then Rick Dalton with an entire pitcher of blended mm-hmm. margarita walks out the door and says, get off my road. They've hippies. got this extremely and then loud they turn around. smoking car. Yeah. And then they get down to the bottom of the hill, and then they decide that they are going to find out that's Rick Dalton, guy from Bounty Big Law. Big movie star. And they have the idea, yeah, they have the idea, well, why don't we, why don't we kill the person who, um, why don't we kill the person who taught us how to kill as kids? Mm-hmm. All the violence that they, that was experienced on television and movies, why don't we go after that person? So they decide... They're going to kill Rick Dalton instead. And then they break into the house and run into a one Mr. Cliff Booth, who is, has been smoking an acid-dipped cig- acid cigarette. So he's got, like, superpowers, superhero powers. And he just... Sorry, I just burped a little bit, so I'm marking that. In case you want to take it out, if you can hear it. <laughs> Oh, I'm leaving it in. Yeah, that's fine. Um, Yeah, this guy's um, tripping uh, balls. 
uh, Acid and Cliff Booth, um, yeah, he just beats the shit out of One these of the best people. lines, was, I think, um, is, is from this scene, which is they, they show up, they've got a gun drawn, and, and he's looking at them high out of his mind, just tripping and just going, uh, can I help you? And the delivery yeah, is fucking spot or, um, on. And is then this there's, real? Uh, um, yeah, are you real? And then Tex says, I'm as real as a fucking donut. Or, no, I'm as real as a donut, motherfucker. <laughs> like, what does that mm-hmm. mean? Um, but yeah, he destroys uh, them. Brad Pitt beats the shit out of them. Like, first thing he does is take a can of wolf tooth raccoon like flavor and just... Yeah, it's a giant container that his dog eats two of those <laughs> and a bunch of dry food. <laughs> but he just chucks this quart-sized can right in to this, um, oh, trying to find my names here. I should have just written all this smashes down. Smashes into their face um, but, and, um, and, and takes the yeah, upper part of it. Smashes her face and, and she's just like... Head. Yeah. And she's just screaming, and then he sends his dog after Tex, who has a gun, and his dog is just beating the shit out of Tex. Oh, that was Sadie who got hit in the yeah. face with the, uh, yeah, who got hit in the face with the uh, the, the, dog the sound the design on this scene, much um, like every other scene in this this movie, which is spot on. When when the dog when when his dog, uh, I want to say Brandy was that her name. Uh, yeah. When when she's she's chewing on a leg and chewing on a you know on a, on a on a on a pant leg, and then switches and goes up a little bit to the groin area and the 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 change of sounds and the crunching and the squishing and stuff like that was so so good. This entire scene was nuts and yeah, smashing faces in and such. Yeah, and then there was the uh, I'm I'm having trouble finding the other. Um, and the the great thing about the this violence who wall was in the room, but as 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 crazy yeah, as well, it was, other... I I thought after a while it's like th- this is this is a bit too much. It's a bit too much. And then you know with with some distance and thinking about this movie and then seeing it again, realizing that it's another sort of like f you to fans almost as well, which is like okay. Not only do I have, you know, you guys have said stuff about bare feet in the past. I'll put too many bare feet in my movie. Well, here's 30 bare feet in my movie this time. Not only that, but, oh, you just came here just for the violence. Yeah. Well, I'm going to leave you off with nothing but the most violent thing that you've seen in a, a very long time. Visceral. Yeah, there's there's the, um, yeah, the other the other hippie girl. The I, I can't find her in the uh, IMDb listing at the moment here. But he proceeds to just bash her face on every surface in the living room of that place, um, including a phone, a which my brother and I were rip. laughing, laughing out loud with the entire theater when that happened. Because it's like everybody, it was mostly like my brother and I were among the more, the younger people mm. who were in that theater. It was mostly, you know, mostly older people who, some good reactions then. Uh, you know, probably probably lived through the you know the actual event and so they know exactly like finally finally we get to see what these people deserve mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's uh yeah that was the reaction i had to it too and then um yeah sadie bleeding everywhere took the the can to the face um because brad pitt gets knocked out she crawls out to the pool bleeding 
And then uh, Rick Dalton's hanging out in his pool. She crashes through a window she, while he has yeah, headphones on. She he has no idea what's window. going on. She crashes through and he's freaking the fuck out, obviously. And uh, yeah. she has a gun and she's shooting and stuff. She's in this pool. And then he goes to his shed and pulls out his movie prop from when he was a... Uh, um, it's shown earlier in the movie that he played a uh, basically a Nazi killer, kind of harkening mm-hmm. back An to uh, Glorious Bastards. Nazi killer. And yeah... And it almost compares, you know, they there is this comparison that, like, you know, he was torching Nazis in that scene, and then he has this, you know, stupid hippie prick that, you know, is a, is a Nazi in her yeah. own way, um, and just torches the hell out of her in his pool with the flamethrower. Um, and it's it's great. And it's like, like what I said earlier about the, you know, Brad Pitt as Robin just, like, you know, fighting with fists, he's got a dog helping him out and mm. everything, and like just uh, using his environment to fight these people. And then Batman, Rick Dalton, has um, you know gadgets. He's got his flamethrower, mm-hmm. and it's um, and it's a very yeah cartoon like it's like comic book violence too. It's like a very bang pow zing kind of thing. And I love that Brad Pitt was wearing uh, white but- jeans. So that just covered in blood after the the whole situation. Yeah. Oh, and uh, Maya Hawk's character, she before they go up to the house, she's like, "Oh, I forgot my knife in the car." She Gets drives in the away. car and just takes off. Yeah. Which the um, no, the real person there, she just hung out at the car to keep a lookout and was the mm. getaway. Um. So they they changed that as well. Yeah, and how how long do you think this scene was altogether? Maybe 10, 15 minutes or something like that, right? At the, at most, yeah. like, like from the time that they get home and stuff to the time that they show up and then they start trying to fuck with them or whatever. Like it's it's a small part of this nearly 3-hour movie. Um and and right. so so yeah, for the people who think, "Oh, this is what it's going to be about and it's going to be Tarantino's version of what happened with the Manson family and stuff." Unfortunately, uh while while you'll get some taste of this, it's it's not what the movie is about. It's about these two characters and how luckily in this world, you know, they were able to save these young people from being murdered for absolutely no reason. And one one very yeah, young and, person. Yeah, and um yeah, and Charles Manson himself is in the movie for about 45 seconds. Yes. And it has maybe three lines um, or something like that. Which by the way, that's the same guy who played Charles Manson in the second season of Mindhunter. Yeah. And he did a great job in Yeah, but it's like very very young Charlie and Slightly then older. like yeah. Crazy as crazy as hell prison Charlie, yeah. Um but uh yeah, and that also it ends on this um having the title once upon a time in hollywood it's got this like you know very like sad tone mm-hmm. to it that it's like yeah this isn't how it happened but like you know luckily this is hollywood and everything in hollywood is a fairy tale and you know no one no one you care about ever gets hurt in hollywood yeah. <laughs> no it, it it ends on this perfect uh track of miss lily langtree by maurice jarret uh, that's just this nice lilting little fluty thing, and it's got this melancholy to it, and uh, it really yeah. just wraps up the movie so very well. And, and speaking of melancholy, I do want to say with the, with the soundtrack and stuff, I'm never going to stop talking about it. My favorite scene in this movie that it opens up this entire 
sequence of events is as Brad Pitt starts smoking that cigarette and he walks away from his house and he starts walking down this driveway on a you know a nice little moonlit night uh, and the, the 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 shot just sticks on him as he's just walking down and as that's pl- as that's going on the the song of 12:30 by Mamas and the Papas 12:30 or uh, young girls are coming to the canyon uh, comes up when the when the car shows up that's what's playing on the radio and I think the the feeling and the the themes of that song in particular wraps up this entire thing I feel like that song is almost like the theme of this movie in a way and holy cow have I not been able to stop listening to it uh, that that one track in particular if not the whole soundtrack which again. I've got an expanded version of it if you guys are interested. Well worth it. Yeah, like well, I think we can... Um, yeah, we... Uh, yeah, I think we went through the whole movie there. I think we can um, kind of uh, you know, taper off things here. Do you have a two for two? Do I have a two for two? I want to say I do. I have a two for two. Yes, I do. Because I've got go them. Do you it. want me to go first while you're uh, thinking do of it? it? Um, so, uh, I do have a song that was released, uh, just today and I listened to it and it's, it's great. It's a lot more, uh, it's a lot different than his, uh, normal stuff, but Perfume Genius just released Uh. this like, like eight minute kind of melancholy techno song called, uh, Eye in the Wall. It's very, very good. I would highly recommend it. Been following that guy since Um, MySpace. I don't know if he's, it would be... Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure where you know where this is going. If he's making like a full album of this, but uh, I'm all for it. Sounds great. It's really really good. Uh, production on it is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've got a movie which I just watched. Um, the Dead Don't Die. Uh, speaking Jarmusch. of uh, theme songs, yeah, Jim Jarmusch, um, Adam Driver, Bill Murray. This movie has some crazy scenes. Of course, it's it's definitely got a coffee and cigarettes vibe mm-hmm. to it. Um, a lot with the cast because you got Bill Murray, um, RZA's Iggy in Pop. it, um, Iggy Pop as well. Iggy Pop exclusively as a zombie. <laughs> He's got the perfect body um, for it. But there's um, absolutely uh, there are some fucking wild scenes like there's uh there's a song in it that plays that's called the dead don't die by sturgill simpson and they're listening to it in the car and then bill murray's like why does this sound so familiar and then adam driver's just like it's the theme song (laughs) and it's just (laughs) it's that's pretty good yeah it's like you know such a far break that yeah it's nuts the movie kind of like just like falls apart when they figure out that they're in a movie, mm. like as it should. Um, and the other thing is, Adam Driver goes to grab his keys, and he looks at his keychain, and he's got a Kylo Ren no Star way. Destroyer keychain. <laughs> Gosh. Uh, speaking of which, I saw something recently on the on the most recent animated <laughs> star wars show resistance i haven't watched it don't really plan on watching it but uh i saw a little bit where there there's costuming that was uh just like the character of De- radar detector matt or whatever that that he played on the uh undercover boss sketch on snl uh where this guy's on the death star and, and kylo ren's his boss or whatever 
and Adam Driver is playing uh, Kylo Ren undercover. Uh, they're they're making it now uh, canon. I think that radar technician Matt uh, is going to be a canon character within the world of Star Wars, uh, and and saving wow. saving some big uh, situation or whatever. So that's pretty interesting. But okay, I, I gotta I gotta get that movie yeah. then because I I've been on the fence about it. Dead don't die. Oh, it's yeah, it's good. I definitely watched it. It's really um, it's uh, it takes place in it's somewhere on the east coast mm-hmm. i can't remember exactly where it takes place but it's like um it's a uh like the poles there's a shift in the poles of the earth's okay. axis so everything's just like weird overcast and the whole movie's like gray and like the daytime is just like very very dark, cool. and there's not much, um, not a whole lot of contrast in the whole thing either. So it just looks, it looks very weird. You like have to watch it in the dark because sure. it just doesn't. It's like hard to see with the lights on. I can see that. Uh, I probably wouldn't yeah, be able but, to see uh, that. <laughs> yeah. What's your, what's your two for uh, two? I'll start with a movie. Uh, which, uh, this movie. Um, okay, so I've seen. I've seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood three times in theaters. Um, I also this year, the only other movie that I've done that with, uh, which this is the first year that I've done that in a very long time, I feel. Maybe maybe Force Awakens or something was three times. But uh, the other movie that I watched three times in theaters because I just needed to absorb as much as I could was uh, Battle Angel Alita. Um, And that was what I thought is the most entertaining movie of all this year, uh, especially in 3D. It was just like a cinematic event. That being said, uh, I think the, the, the reign of most popular or mo- most uh, entertaining... Energy- James, I'm too excited about this. I can't talk. I'm slurring all my words. I'm stumbling over my tongue. Hobbs and Shaw. James, you finally James, saw it? Hobbs and Shaw is the most ridiculous... Re- Yes. Did you watch it? You're... I freaked out. I'm glad that I saw this in theaters. <laughs> I can't wait to watch it again. This sh- and I, and I'm late on the on the you know obviously this came out a while ago. So if it's still in theaters, I mean I beg you guys like please I implore you to go see this in theaters because the sound design alone is above and beyond any other of these Fast and the Furious movies. And I, James, I love these movies. I've touched upon this before. I love the Fast and Furious movies. Five through seven are are just fantastic. This takes it to a whole nother level, James. Idris Elba, Idris Elba has a uh, uh, a super suit type thing, and he's like become like kind of cyborgy and stuff. So now there's like science fiction in this world of already over the top car action and whatnot. But the thing that makes this movie is talk about chemistry on screen. Jason Statham and The Rock, all they do the entire movie is rag on each other and diss each other in the most creative, well-written ways that I've ever heard in a fucking movie, and it doesn't stop. Not only that, this is the craziest action that you've ever seen, and it just, it immediately throws you into it, and and at first I'm like, you know, I knew this was going to be silly, but I didn't expect a cartoon, Uh, and it starts to round itself out a little bit, and you get used to it, and it just becomes this the the term balls to the wall is uh, i can't describe how insane this movie is and how great it is uh uh i don't want to ruin anything about this movie uh but just the opening sequence of the movie they show this in the trailer but i just thought it was trailer editing that they did a split screen thing 
they do an entire opening sequence of split screen of them getting ready for their day and taking care <laughs> of business in very similar ways, but showing how opposite they are, you know, including uh, The Rock is getting ready and he's, he's not only drinking a full glass of like eight, you know, raw eggs, but he has a, a giant spoonful of ground coffee that he eats uh, to get ready for the day. And he's working out and stuff while Jason Statham makes himself a nice little, a, a small fry up and goes to the pub and has a pint, like pours himself a Guinness and like uh, two opposite people, but they're so in line with one another. And it just, this movie goes places that I didn't expect. And I thought I knew what this movie was going to be like. And holy fuck, this is directed by James Vietrovich. Uh, Sorry, sir. I can't, pronounce the last one uh, i'll figure it out at some point but uh this guy directed the first john wick he directed atomic blonde and deadpool 2 and so ah, and, okay. and s- i haven't seen deadpool 2 but uh yeah big fan of the other two the action in these movies and the and the the playfulness and the 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 thought that goes into pulling off these stunts and making it something that you've never seen before this movie is more entertaining than all those three flicks put together uh it it, it Man, this movie just fucking goes places, and it is a, a huge... If you're down for some silly fun, like, you have to understand that this isn't going to be taken seriously in almost any way, and because of that, it makes it so much better. Uh, the the one thing... Uh, I don't want to ruin anything. Hobbs and Shaw. That's... that's. I want to say that's my two for two. Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, I can't tell you enough about this. Uh, but let's think about something else that that uh, I, I've been I've been digging recently. Yeah, yep. And uh, so so I'll say Hobbs and Shaw is my two for two. That's uh that's the deal there. Cool. Cool. I think uh, that about uh, wraps it up. Yep. Um. Bye. Bye.